So continuing in our series in Galatians, and uh, just to give you a recap, uh, maybe for those of us that haven't been around the past few weeks, Paul is writing to the churches in Galatia who are in this battle. So these people, part of these churches, are in a battle where they have received uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, but the law, the Jewish traditions, uh, are being introduced to the detriment of the, the grace message of Jesus. So there's this tension where they think they need to do, 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 and obey these laws, whereas Jesus says, don't worry. You know, by grace you are free. There's no need for this, uh, this stuff that you used to do, but there's still this tension. And Paul uh, wants to warn these people. He wants to warn the churches in Galatia that actually the road you're going down is the, is the wrong track. Uh, you've heard the right way, and uh, Paul was coming into this situation strongly because they were in serious danger. And in, in these letters in uh, Galatians, he's writing really strongly and really boldly, no, you shouldn't be doing this uh, because it isn't right. Jesus has set you free. Uh, and the series is called Called to be Free. And he wants to re-emphasize that a gospel which is watered down or tampered with is not the gospel. It's not the gospel. When I was thinking about that, it reminded me a little bit about we were in Pizza Hut a couple of weeks ago and we went to get a fizzy drink and they have one of these machines that you press the button and the juice comes out. But it's so blatantly obvious that you have the fizzy juice on one side and then water on the other. It's like a cost-cutting measure. They water it down and you blatantly see it. I tried to kind of move the cup over so I just get the fizzy stuff, but it just didn't work. The water flowing alongside the good stuff, you can see it, but you can't do anything about it. Paul was doing something about it with these uh, churches in Galatia. No more watering down. You're diluting the good stuff here. So he was operating. Paul was operating and living out of his calling. And I want to explore this morning what it looks like to carry our calling. That every single one of us here this morning have a place in the kingdom of God when, when we accept him. And there's not one person discounted. There's not one person that is left out. There's not one person that isn't good enough and we're called to be free. But as well as that, God has placed specific callings on our lives, and we're called to live that out. And some of us, I'm sure, are doing that and seeing God working amazingly when we take that step. Some of us have maybe yet to see. We know that God's placed something on our hearts, but we've yet to see it come to fruition. Or some of us maybe have yet to even hear what that is. Maybe we're sitting here this morning, I don't have a clue what that is. God does, and God knows. So God wants to use all of us. We all get to play. Whether that is that you're called to work in the oil industry, or be a teacher, or be a missionary, run an alpha course, play the guitar, sing, lead a small group, pray for people, support the marginalized, befriend the lonely. We all have a call on our lives, given and designed by God to further his kingdom. And he wants to use us in that. He wants to use us. God is saying to us, I've given you this. I've placed this in your heart. Now go, run with it. Shine for me in it. So I want to look at calling, what's involved, what we're faced with, and how it looked like for Paul. So we're going to read Galatians 1, 11 to 24. And I wonder if uh, Chris and Adam, as if you aren't doing enough, maybe one of you, who will I pick on? Uh, Adam, you look more like the person saying, no, not me. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we'd love to give you one. Uh, put your hand up and we'll get one out to you. Uh, if you don't have one at home, you can have that as a gift from us. We'd love you to have a Bible in your house. Uh, and it's going to be up on the screen as well, the Bible verse we're going to read. 
I'm going to try and be short and snappy because we have no much time. Let's pray before we do that. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are in this place. We thank you that you want to meet with us, Lord. We thank you that you delight in us, Lord. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll just bring life to these words and speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're starting at verse 11. On these Bibles, it's in page 1168, so you'll be able to find that easier. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son in me so that I might preach Him alongside among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Oh, that's about to do a wee dancer. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him for 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before, before God that what I am writing to you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praise God because of me. Amen. So there's a lot in this passage. And Paul opens with a very similar message uh, to what he did in verse 1, chapter 1. It's strikingly similar. Not appointed by man and not received the gospel message from man. And it's important as we look at carrying our call, what God has called us to, that the gospel we believe in is not man-made. It's the message of Jesus. It's divine. It changes your life, and you can place your life in His hands. There's nothing that will satisfy or carry you through life like the power of God and the person of Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So if we have a look at our uh, first point, God is working in our waiting. I remember a, a good few years ago, I was a I was becoming a financial advisor. I was working for Santander, which previously Abbey National. And in the middle of this, I knew that God had placed some sort of call. I don't know, some sort of uh, heart for young people. I knew there was something in me. It didn't quite come to fruition as such then, but I thought nothing more of it. And I had my interview for uh, being a financial advisor, and I got the job. And one of my first questions was, when, I, when do I get out in the field? When do I get to meet customers and get my bonus and, and do really well at my job? When do I get out? Little did I know the following would ensue. I had to pass three uh, certificate of, and mortgage exams. I had two mock client interviews, four trips to Milton Keynes, six supervised interviews with a training manager, two months of daily reporting on my sales and meetings every day. Then I was allowed out. It, but it didn't go to plan. After my first trip, I got called back because there were staff shortages. So I had to go back to the branch and uh, I was scheduled to go on the next intake, which delayed me by about a month. My second exam, I failed it, and I passed the reset, which was a huge relief. My third exam, I failed that as well. Can you see a pattern here? 
And I had to get the national manager to approve me. So the national manager of the UK for Santander to say, yep, uh, he can reset it. And I passed it. Then my supervised interview, I failed that as well. And again, the national manager, he must have been fed up by now of me uh, getting in touch with me, had to get in touch with him again, and I passed. Then the slog of supervised appointments. So somebody sitting behind me while I had someone uh, in front of me uh, going through their financial stuff. And I passed that. I became a competent advisor. I'd done well. I looked like I was going to become a branch manager. And then Chuck, who's the senior pastor of, of City Church, he gave me a wee ring and he chatted. How would you feel about doing something with our young people at City Church? So that threw a bit of a curveball. The calling that God had placed in my heart had spoken to me about started to grow roots, you know, and, and grow out and, and, uh, and do something in my heart. I had an interview for the branch manager job and I never got the job. And I remember phoning Chuck, or Chuck phoned me, and I told him what had happened. He just went, hmm, interesting. <laughs> then I left the bank. I became the youth pastor. Then three years later, site pastor of City Church North and, and on this incredible journey with all of you. And the point I'm making, there can be a bit of time in waiting to step out into your calling. There can be a bit of time. There can be setbacks. There was plenty of times when I was a, a, an advisor, I thought, of jacking it in when I failed those exams. And the reality is, I wouldn't be standing here in front of you today if I did that. God's plan is perfect. His timing is perfect. His ways are perfect. And right now, if you're in the middle of a failure or a setback or a battle, God just wants to whisper to you, keep persevering. Keep seeking me out because I'm working in it. And if you haven't seen an opening to what God is calling you into, rest assured that God knows when that is going to happen, and God knows best. And to ask Him again and again, He has something for all of us. Maybe you haven't been aware of it, but when, you're, when you watch a news report, maybe, on, on stories of famine, that your heart breaks, that you're always in floods of tears, or do you cry when you see someone being exploited? Uh, my secret uh, is when I watch Secret Millionaire, I need to have like two boxes of tissues next to me. But if I, I, God does something in your heart in terms of maybe if it's to break your heart for people that five, six years ago, I, I would be like, why are, you, why are you crying? You know, the Holy Spirit changes us and God reveals His plan to us. And it can take time for when God speaks to you. It can take time for God to unveil, unveil and unpack in more detail, just like my story, what you are for. And it can take time to hear clearly what is next. And all He asks is just trust in me. I know. I know what's best. Paul, after hearing from Jesus on the road to Damascus, we read in verse 18, we have a little couple of words where it says, three years later. And I don't know what he did in those three years. Some commentators look into it in a bit more detail, but I'm guessing he waited. He got to know God more. I'm sure he had setbacks. I'm sure he had failures, but he held on to what the Lord had said. Moses waited as well. If we look at other leaders, other people in the Bible, and even Jesus waited until his ministry started, until his call uh, came to fruition. How many of us are in the midst of that this morning? How many of us need to just keep hold in the setbacks, in the waiting? Or maybe we're waiting still to hear what we're for. Fulfilling our calling as well often means stepping out. If, if there's a few of us here this morning who know what God has placed us into, uh, are placed on our hearts to do, we need to make that step. God is calling us to make that step out into it and be bold and to trust in Him. So God is working in our waiting. Uh, secondly, 
Uh, God's grace is always sufficient for us. I love hearing stories about God's grace. The grace of God is something so special and so powerful, and it's the key to unlocking our hearts before Jesus. It clears all that needs to be cleared. It's important for any of us this morning who feel discounted or will never be of any interest to God, how wrong that is, that those words are wrong that we've spoken over ourselves. Because God's grace has enabled us all to play a part. I'm imagining Joshua going, amen, when he's, when he's crying out like that. I remember as a young child being in our lo- my local newsagent. So our local newsagent was a couple of doors down. I was with some friends and we we're going to get, our, you know, you get your pocket money each week. And I'd go and get my Skittles and my Opal Fruits they were known back then. Remember Opal Fruits? I tricked my sister once into eating them with the wrappers. Yeah, maybe not a great idea. Anyway, that isn't in my notes. Uh, I noticed an opportunity. I seen a, a packet of sweets and I noticed an opportunity there. I don't know what it was that came over me, but I pretended to tie my shoelaces and I leant down and I slyly popped the sweets into my pocket like something out of a, a, like a magician and I strolled out. But I remember when I got home, I was just completely and utterly racked with guilt and the sweets didn't taste like they were meant to. You know, they were meant to be nice tasting sweets. They just tasted wrong. And I remember bawling my eyes out in my room. I can't remember how old I was. I might have been nine or ten. And believing that the Jesus who I, I would hear about in Sunday school would now ditch me, that it was all lost, that my mom and dad would disown me, that I'd have to run away. So like all kids, I made up a bag. <laughs> I'm off, mother. She's like, why are you off? And I spoke to her. I told her about the whole story. And my mom said, Jesus forgives you, and, and so do we. Jesus died so that all the bad stuff that we do can be taken away. So let's say sorry to him. Phew, as a 10-year-old, that was a good conversation to have. God's grace is so powerful, even at that young age. I remember that story. And then we have Paul. People would have discounted him a long time ago. People would have been saying, him, Saul. He was known as Saul before, but God had other plans. In Acts 9, verse 1, it says, Saul was uttering threats with every breath, and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. But the Lord had other plans. The Lord had other plans. In verse 15, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and the kings and the people of Israel. I love that line, but the Lord had other plans. For those of us in deep struggles just now or in a battle, the Lord has other plans. For those of us who are racked with guilt or have stuff in life that is weighing us down, the Lord has other plans. The areas of our lives that maybe we know God has called us into, but we've closed that book. We think it's past us. The Lord has other plans. To carry our calling in all our fullness, to be all that we can be, we need to have a grasp and live in the light of God's grace. That nothing we do is beyond God, the reach of God that we don't give up when we stumble because God's grace covers that, that we don't think we're accepted anymore because God's grace covers that. We get up and we give it to Jesus again and again. We go before his cross in our weakness, in our frailties. And looking at the, the apostle Paul, what a remarkable, remarkable man, a man who persecuted Christians to now spreading the word of Jesus. And during his ministry, he writes 14 letters that become part of the Bible. This is almost triple the number of books written by Moses. He conducts five missionary journeys. 
that take him to Asia Minor, Syria, Greece, Italy, Spain, Britain, and elsewhere. He evangelizes countless cities and helps train others to do that, such as Timothy and Mark and John. Wow. Paul was not beyond God's grace, and neither will we be ever. So, if you know a calling that God has placed in your life, and you have discounted yourself over it, or you think, I can't quite do that, or I'm out of the race now, I'm out of the running, why would God want to use me for that? Bring it to Jesus this morning. He wants to restart it, rekindle that fire. Or you think, maybe there's a few of us here and we think, I couldn't be a Christian. I'd be an awful Christian. I'm an awful person. If God knew me, honestly, He'd close the door. I can tell you with the utmost conviction this morning that the Lord has other plans. The Lord loves and knows each and every one of us. When reading this passage in the beginning of Galatians to this point, one thing that I feel is important to mention is that when we are close to God, when we are operating in His calling, and God's power is at work as well, we have that battle. We have a battle in front of us. Leslie spoke about it a little bit about battles, but we've won, the war is won. Jesus has won the war. And that leads us into our next point, that beware of the battles when we step out. So when we step out into our calling, when we know that God has placed something in our hearts and we go, right, I'm going for it, the enemy often loves to step up his game as well. There's a quote which I absolutely love, and I put love, love this quote in bold just to re-emphasize it. It says this, the higher the hill, the stronger the wind, so the loftier the life, the stronger the enemy's temptations. So the higher the hill, the stronger the wind, so the loftier the life, the stronger the enemy's temptations. Whether that be whispers of half-truths, whispers of inadequacy, placing of temptations that are before us, opposition, Paul himself was finding opposition, people questioning his motives, his background, his training, his experience, his story, his transformation. They were saying, where did this guy come from? He's not spoken with the rest of the guys. Where did he get his message from? Do people know who he was before? How can you listen to him? How can you listen to him? His intense dedication to the calling God gave him when he stepped out came at a price though. He ends up spending at least five years in total in prison. He's whipped five times. He's beaten three times with rods. He also survives a stoning. He endures a ship, a ship I can't say it, shipwreck. I better be careful there. Shipwreck in the Mediterranean. He ultimately experiences martyrdom at the hands of the Romans. Now, I'm not saying when we step out to our calling, we're going to have a, those lists of all these things, but we will face battles. We will have opposition. We must remember that Jesus is with us, that He's alongside us. Paul remains strong. He doesn't give up. Even in Galatia, tough to be challenged and questioned what his motives were. I imagine him being so sure in meeting with Jesus. So there was something so steadfast in his heart nothing was budging them. And we need to ask, when we meet on a Sunday, when we meet in a small group during the week, ask the Lord to instill that steadfastness, that security that we have in Him. That yes, the enemy won't like us moving and doing stuff. 
uh, that God is asking us to do. He'll try to derail us, but we need to be alert and, and stir each other up on that and encourage each other. In, in 1 Peter 5 verse 8, it says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. What a picture that is. What a, f- a fierce picture of what faces us when we step out seeking someone to devour. But we have a reassurance this morning that this land is claimed by Jesus. There's no neutral ground. There's nothing more powerful. And we can break down the strongholds of the enemy. Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection spells victory and power and transformation and freedom this morning. Maybe some of us just need to tap into that afresh to remember that he can come in, he can come into our hearts and change things. He can transform things. C.S. Lewis says, there's no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. It's claimed by God. God is all-powerful. He's won the war. And just to come into close, we're all called to share. Paul was an incredible man. He was a spreader of the gospel. He was used and preached many times with many people coming to know Jesus. And one thing I feel that as a sight that the Lord wants to speak to us about is that we all carry responsibility to share the good news. The secret is that it all looks very different to each and every one of us. It's not just the pastor's job or the people who are good at speaking, the gifted, the confident. Mark 16 uh, verse 15 says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. This is after Jesus uh, rose again and he appeared to the disciples. He didn't single out. He didn't look for the strongest speaker, the most confident, the person who had it most together. Remember that the people that Jesus spoke, uh, sent out to spread the gospel were some of the most insecure people that he could have picked with all their failings and weaknesses, but they loved the Lord with all their hearts. For some of us, it may be lunchtime with the staff when we have our staff lunches, with mums in the playground, with our hairdresser, with our mates at the pub, with our teammates at football, with the lollipop man or woman, Maybe it's conversations like, I'll pray for you. Somebody's having a tough time. I'll I'll pray for you. I was at church at the weekend. Oh, I had that problem. Jesus totally healed me, amazingly healed me. I know someone who could help you. Or can I pray for you now? Do you need a food, food parcel? Have you heard about mainly music? Oh, we have a group of lads that meet once a month and we have quizzes and we go surfing sometimes when it's warm enough. We have lots and lots of stuff that Jesus is asking us to use as part of the ministry of City Church North. So within all our specific callings, what we're called for, sharing Jesus is a normal, non-hypey, real, and powerful thing. And we need to remember to do that in our weeks. So we have God is working in our waiting. So for those of us that are waiting for God to speak to us or to step out into what uh, He's placed in our hearts, He's working even when it doesn't feel like it. God's grace is always sufficient for us. Never discount yourself. Never think you're not good enough. Beware of the battles when we step out. When we finally step into what God has for us, there will be battles. And if you're right now facing battles, rest assured it's because God is, you're exactly where God wants you to be. And to seek out God in that. 
And then finally, we're all called to share. The secret is it just looks very different to all of us. Ask God what that is in your week that you're called, and what way are you called to share? Why don't we stand?